So I'm glad we can finally get together. It's been a, a while since we talked. For the record, this is a, a podcast for Religion Unplugged, which is an online news magazine covering religion, all religion, all over the world. And uh, let's explain yeah. who you are and, and what Lamena is. So thank you. I'm the executive director of the Lamena Institute. Uh, my name is Matthias Ho. Uh, and the Lamena Institute, it was actually named after Dr. Johannes Lamena, uh, who was the vice prime minister during the first president of uh, Indonesia, uh, President Sukarno. And Dr. Johannes Lemena was part of the one of the, the activists of the movement for the independence of Indonesia. So he was already active since at least 1928 when there was uh, uh, the Youth Oath uh, Day because it was that day that uh, Indonesian name was first used uh, uh, by Indonesians to, to uh, refer to the nation of Indonesia. Uh, because at that time, there was no Indonesia on the map, there, there was no language Indonesian uh, and everything like that. So it was actually a, yeah, a visionary group of uh, young people who got together and then say that, hey, we are one Indonesia. Uh, so even though the, uh, the youth at that time were actually uh, coming from the groups of Muslim groups, uh, Japanese groups, so, so they came from various religious and ethnic groups. But they got together and they agreed together to say that, hey, uh, we are one nation, Indonesia. We have one uh, homeland, Indonesia, and we, we have one uh, language of unity, Indonesian language, which all of them didn't exist at that time, actually. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Remarkable. So Dr. Lehmina, yeah, it is, it is remarkable. So, so that's why uh, Dr. Lemina, um, uh, I think, is like an inspiration for many people, not just the Indonesians. Uh, but uh, even uh, not just for Indonesian Christians, I mean, but even for people of other religions in Indonesia, um, because we believe that even though we are di from different religions, different ethnicity, we are one nation, Indonesia. Uh, so this inspiration, actually, uh, uh, that's why uh, the national church leaders uh, got together and then they, uh, they agreed they, they, we need to have like a think tank uh, named after Dr. Johannes Lemena uh, to help the churches and the Christians uh, in general in Indonesia to think, uh, to always keep thinking how we can participate in the nation building of Indonesia, uh, which is really uh, the heart of the, the life of the Dr. Johannes Lemena. Well, let, let me give a little background for our, our listeners. Um, one, Indonesia is the world's largest Muslim country. I think it's yeah. something like 88 to 90% Muslim. And then there's 8% Christian. And then there, there's, there's a, a Hindu and a Buddhist population and a very few Jews. Um, there's a, a the recent synagogue, I think, is open somewhere. But there are very few Jewish people in, in Indonesia. And of course, as the world's largest Muslim country, it has a unique history within Islam in that it was a one Muslim country that was established not through jihad or through conquest, but it was established by missionaries who came to, uh, to the Indonesian, the islands of Indonesia and brought Islam. So it has a very different history. And then of course it was colonized by um, the Netherlands. And that is, that is who you were seeking your independence from back in 1945. So the conflict of Islam and the, and the 
rest of the world has become something that people are aware of. At the same time, people are aware that there are an awful lot of Muslims in the world. And so how do we negotiate all of this? And you live in the world's largest Muslim country and um, work for an organization that's, that has had as its goal, as you were explaining, building relationships among people of different faiths. And now that's come to some fruition. So let's talk about this amazing work that you've been doing, um, holding webinars of the three Abrahamic faiths. So the first one was on October 21st. And then there was yes. somebody, there was, a, I guess the, the Minister of Religious Affairs got COVID. And so you had to, it had to be postponed. And then, so you had two a week apart. And then, and then there was one in November and then, and then the religious, the, the uh, Minister for Religious Affairs was changed abruptly. <laughs> and so you have another one in January. Um, yeah. So uh, I'd like, let's, let's, let's hear about how this got started and what the goal is and what's been happening. The key is building relation and building communication. That's what's missing in a lot of the, the modern life today. Um, uh, because we, we take it for granted. And then came uh, the, the COVID-19, right? And then how can we build relation if we cannot meet, right? But thankfully, you know, <laughs> the technology was there, which actually uh, enabled us to, to do all this um, even more effectively. Um, I mean, otherwise, it's very hard uh, to get, even for, for these leaders to meet for two hours, even for one hour is already very difficult. And how can you expect to bring people from like United States to fly 24, 20 hours <laughs> to come to Indonesia? It's, uh, it's very challenging logistically, but with the technology, we are able to do that. And for people who don't know each other, sometimes apparently uh, the virtual technology yeah. uh, uh, makes it more possible. Yeah. But it's incredible because like many people for the first time in their life that, that to meet people of different religion, you know, and, and especially for the Jews. I mean, many people in Indonesia, maybe they've only heard about Jews. They, they've seen on, on TV, but a lot of times it's about violence. It's about war. It's about conflict. You know, there was an idea to have a conference and then yes. COVID happened. So no conference. So yeah. the technology, what you're talking about. So what's the, the, the goal and the structure? So the, uh, it all started in January 2020. Yeah. So uh, we got a visit from the American Jewish Committee. And American Jewish Committee is basically uh, is a, uh, one of the largest Jewish uh, organizations in the U.S. So we, we, uh, we had a discussion uh, and then we met with the Ministry of Religious Affairs and then we were discussing to have a conference an international conference on Abrahamic faith is basically to, to get the, the leaders from these three religions to get together and then uh, to see, okay, what are the meeting points that we can, we can identify, that we can work together for peace and tolerance? Because we all believe that actually our religions teach us for peace, for tolerance, to loving one another, you know, uh, being an Indonesian, who has uh, spent their entire life living in a community, in a society where people can actually live with different religions, but coexist and work together. So, so that's why uh, we are very encouraged by that. But 
then came COVID, with, which shocked all of us. <laughs> it was yeah. like, okay. And then people start using this technology, this webinar. And then we, we see that there is an uh, opportunity there that, hey, maybe uh, rather than seeing this uh, uh, as a lost opportunity, maybe this is a new opportunity uh, yeah. to reach out to more people. Yeah. And to to bring more people uh, into into the discussion, um, and so so that's how we propose that. Uh, so so let's do a webinar. So we we started with the with a roundtable of the Abrahamic uh, Faith Initiative in in July uh, last year. So we, we started small. We started with a roundtable about twenty people, and the Minister of Religious Affairs himself came, wow. and then uh, gave the opening remarks. Yeah, it was incredible because. It was, I think it was the first time that we had uh, an Abrahamic faith roundtable with Muslim, Christians, and Jewish leaders in the same room, in the same virtual room. And it was really a beautiful conversation to discuss, we all of us, as religious people, not political. I mean, there's no discussion about, it's not about politics. It's basically about how we as Muslims, Christians, and Jews can see each other and find common grounds um, to actually uh, bring more peace and tolerance and, and um, good for, for a lot of people. So it, it was from that round table that came the idea. So why not having the public to see that religious leaders can actually have a peaceful, constructive dialogue about this? Because <laughs> in religion, uh, the, the, the followers, we always look up at the model by the leaders, right? Yeah. And the problem in a lot of the media sometimes is that what they are trying to do by uh, bringing news to the people is that they are bringing sometimes bad news where yeah. Yeah. religious leaders who get more portions sometimes in the media are religious leaders who are, uh, who are not good, who are right. violent. <laughs> so we want to bring an alternative to, to the people. And the result, as you said, it was incredible. So, so we did uh, three webinars uh, from October to November last year. Uh, and then December, there was a, a changing of the Minister of Religious Affairs, as you said, <laughs> which was already scheduled at the time, actually, the webinar. And then the announcement of the new minister came a day before the, the webinar. The new minister also was a, is a visionary person. He took up a, a continue that webinar. So we rescheduled it. And then we did the webinar uh, in January. Um, and it was actually uh, even the biggest webinar that uh, response wow. that we get so far. Yeah. That was a little bit like the first one. The first one had 400 participants from nine countries. Yeah. And that one was about, was focused on um, understanding the A Abrahamic family through the Qibla or through prayer. The Qibla being the, the piece at the front. And you, yeah. when you pray, that's, you pray in that direction because it's pointed toward Mecca, um, as, as I understand it. And so the first one was around the common experience of prayer for Christians, Jews, and Muslims. And then the second one was about the roles of the Abrahamic religions in promoting peace in the world. And each time you had a, a different lead speaker from one of the three religions with respondents from the other two. And the second one had 1,200 participants and I think yeah. 21 countries. And the third one was called A New Narrative of Abrahamic Family Tolerance. I guess the United Arab Emirates led yes, that. Yes, correct. 
And then uh, a person named Ali Aliza. Okay, yeah. I better say it right. Who is, I think, the head of the World Muslim League actually participated. And he was involved in, in January when you had, I don't know how many you had in, uh, in January, but there were 17 countries. And they include Western countries, Muslim countries. It's all over the world. I mean, um, Algeria, Australia, Austria, Canada, China, Egypt, France, India, Indonesia, yeah. Israel, Jordan, Lebanon, Malaysia, Netherlands, Norway, Philippines, Singapore, Sudan, Tunisia. This is a global conversation. So what's what's happening in the webinars and what's next? Well, yeah, uh, from the third uh, webinar, uh, we have around uh, 1,100 uh, participants, which was still great. I mean, because yeah. we, we didn't expect to, to have two uh, webinars in a row with more than 1,000 participants from all over the world. I mean, imagine the time difference even, right? I mean, I it, it takes a lot from, from the people from other countries to try to, uh, yeah. to join in, um, especially from, for the U.S. because uh, it's early in the morning. So, so that's why I think this webinar is very powerful in a sense that it shows that many people are interested in this topic. And I think many people also want to hear something from Indonesia. And, and that's something that Indonesians and Indonesia government always want, right? I mean, to, to share our experience to the world. The most recent webinar that we had, it was actually now after a series of webinars, all the response that we received are basically very positive. And, and many of them were saying that this is incredible. We need to expand this. We need to broaden this. One, one comment actually I, I really remember is from a, a teacher in, in Jember, in, in East Jaffa. And then he said that my eyes shed tears, he said, while watching this webinar. I feel like I'm standing in front of not just the world religious leaders, but actually in front of the world peace leaders, he said. Wow. And it just shows that these webinars that we think, oh, it's just an online meeting, but it actually really feels very personal for many people. It's like they have these world leaders in their room speaking yeah. to them. Uh, <laughs> and it opens the window for many people in Indonesia that may have never a chance, uh, get a chance to listen to leaders from other countries and then actually listen from them. So we get a lot of incredible response from there. And, and one of the, the response that keep coming is that, can you talk about something that, uh, how we can bring this into education, right? So, so many people bring that. And then we see that many of the participants are actually teachers or lecturers from university. The next webinar in January was actually the Abrahamic faith and education. So that, that's why we took that, that topic. And that's where we have the, uh, we have, again, we have a rabbi, uh, a Jewish rabbi uh, speaking there. We have our dear friend, Professor Amin Abdullah from the yeah. State Islamic <laughs> University in Jakarta. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's just the perfect person to talk about the education here because, I mean, he's the, the leading philosopher, uh, Islamic philosopher in, in Indonesia. I mean, he's been uh, doing a lot in, in education, not just in the State Islamic University, but national education in Indonesia. He's been advising the Minister of Education 
So uh, uh, he's just uh, the perfect person for this. And then we have the the uh, chairwoman of the advisory council for the Communion of Churches in Indonesia, who is also in the National Standard Board for Education in Indonesia. Uh, we had the uh, Sheikh Mohammed Al Isa, uh, who is the Secretary General of the Muslim World League. Uh, based in uh, Makkah, Saudi Arabia. Under his leadership, the Muslim World League is actually now focusing on how to uh, reform the education as well to promote this religious moderation wow. uh, or the Wasatia Islam. Yeah. Pause a minute and talk about Wasatia because some radical Muslim missionaries had been coming to Indonesia and were trying to radicalize young Indonesians to recruit them for ISIS and violent jihad. And the right. Indonesians were aghast at this because that isn't the way Islam has functioned ever in the history mm. of Indonesia. And so here were these people coming, bringing something that's counter to the whole history of Islam in Indonesia mm. and trying to radicalize young Indonesians Part of the, the point of the trip was to make others aware in the world of what was going on and also to promote Wasatia, which is the middle path. And I'm sorry to say, I can't quote the verse from the Quran that talks about Wasatia. They would be very disappointed in me that I can't remember yeah. after all that. Um, <laughs> but there, but there, is, there, there is a quote from the Quran about the middle path which is the history of Islam and it is of Islam in Indonesia. That's how the Indonesian Islam has always functioned. And it's, it's the middle path, which does not uh, practice military jihad. And so, um, and, and, and Amin Abdullah did a lot of work about that. And so is Shafi Ma'arif, who's a remarkable man we haven't mentioned before. He's the former head yeah. of Muhammadiyah. So anyway, so now we've got the World Muslim League promoting Wasatiya or Middle Path Islam. Yes, it's basically uh, for many Muslims, uh, including like the Muslim leaders in Indonesia and I believe Sheikh Al Isa as well. It's basically that the Wasatiya Islam is the true Islam and is the true teaching of Islam. It's the middle path. It's not the extreme left or extreme right. Right? I mean. Uh, is none of those extremes uh, because what has been presented uh, by the ISIS and others is really the extreme form, which is for many, I mean, I heard it from, from the Muslim scholars themselves, it is un-Islamic basically because they are, they are actually uh, taking uh, the teaching in the wrong direction. So Wasatia Islam or the Middle Path Islam is really taking back Islam to its original teaching, to the true teaching. This last one was, was about education and what can be done through education. So yes. any concrete things come out of that or anything you can talk about? Yeah, right, well, right now uh, we, are, we are discussing uh, as a follow-up from, uh, from that webinar, uh, what are the things we can do in the education uh, with, with this, with what we have learned. Uh, of course, one of the things is that we've done four incredible webinars. So we are actually writing that, uh, we are taking all of that uh, uh, amazing presentation uh, remarks into a book. So, so we are hoping to, to publish that yeah, as a book. Uh, we are working together with the Ministry of Religious Affairs on that. Um, I mean, because we have like what, uh, almost, almost 20 uh, 
experts, world-leading scholars speaking yeah. in the four webinars. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we, we have a lot of materials. Amazing, right? Yeah. Um, so we, we are going to, to publish that. Um, and then we are discussing right now in, in what ways we can bring uh, this topic into education. What are, uh, what are the good things that we can learn uh, from these webinars and then from the relation between the Abrahamic religions that can strengthen the peaceful coexistence and collaborations uh, in the society. Yeah. And of course, one way to do that sustainably is through education. Yeah. So, so we, are, we are talking about that because in Indonesia, a uh, religious course is a compulsory in, in schools and universities. So actually, we, uh, we have to take a religious course in Indonesia. But sometimes the, the, the problem uh, is that if you're Muslim, then you, you take the Islamic religious course in school and university. As a Christian, you take the, the Christian religious course and oh. so on, right? Oh, but you're not learning about the other ones. You're Exactly, that's the point. You're not learning about the other one, right? I mean, of course, because people are afraid that, oh, uh, you, may, you may go astray if you learn other religions. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, but then it gets quite boring to the students <laughs> because... <laughs> because they've heard it. They've heard it. They learn it from their churches, from, from, from the yeah. preaching in the mosque and others, right? I mean, then, then you learn about the same thing in school. Um, and then secondly, and this is more... Uh, could be more uh, damaging is that you, you are actually making people more exclusive because uh, the teaching sometimes then become very dogmatic uh, and then it, it, it basically teaching only about your own religion. I mean, of course, we know, especially like in the monotheistic religions, there are many exclusive claims that are being then instilled even further in the well, religious course like this. Right? And we, we, we have to agree to disagree. Exactly. Right. No. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so the point is that when you go in schools and in, in university, of course, this is still a discourse. I mean, uh, there are pros and cons. But the argument from uh, Dr. Amin Abdullah is that, well, in schools and or in university, you actually have to learn about the different religions, how you can respect the diversity without losing your own identity. And I think that's very important. And that's what we need in a plural society, how we can uh, respect the diversity without losing our own identity. Um, so, so that's the, the thing that we are looking at uh, right now uh, because the Abrahamic, the experience of the Abrahamic religions is actually interesting because the three religions, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, they share a commonalities. Uh, because of the shared ancestry in the patriarch Abraham. They share a lot of common history and sometimes even the tradition and some teachings. But there are also very stark differences between them. And we have to acknowledge both. But the, the question is that, can we, the, the followers of the, each religion, can we acknowledge uh, the commonalities and differences, respect them, and then work together uh, despite the differences that we have? Um, and it's even more challenging, I think, in a way for the Abrahamic religion, because we have a long history of bitter conflicts, actually, between the three. So what are you going to do more webinars or are you taking a pause now that you're doing a book out of these four or what's happening? Um, I, 
uh, we are we are still planning on the webinars, but we uh, we are still working on that because now instead of just webinars, we have other things right uh, on the plate that we need to uh, arrange the schedule. Um, uh, there, there is book, there is webinar, and then there is also this on the education part uh, that we are still trying to iron out some of the details uh, how we can work on the curriculum like that. Yeah. Well, Marius, just mm -hmm. give my regards to everybody and and let me know and keep us posted on what happens next. And yeah, uh, sure. And uh, I will. just it's great work, and in the world, you know, with COVID and oh, thing, you know. I mean, there's horrible stuff going on everywhere. It's really wonderful to hear something that's positive, that's uh, bring, working to bring people together in yeah. spite of their differences and maybe through them. So thanks a lot, oh, my yeah. friend. Thank you. My, my regards as well to, to Howard and Joy okay. Hawaii. <laughs> I, will, I, I will give your regards to Howard and to Hawaii. <laughs> to Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, thank you very much. Thank you. This episode of the Religion Unplugged podcast was hosted by Roberta Amundsen, edited and produced by Peter Freeby. The Religion Unplugged podcast is a production of religionunplugged.com and is part of The Media Project, a nonprofit dedicated to equipping journalists to cover religion. To read our award-winning global religion news coverage or to find out more about Religion Unplugged or the Media Project, visit religionunplugged.com or follow us on Twitter at ReligionMag. <laughs>